Welcome to I Have a History Question. This is the program where you get those nagging queries about local history finally answered. Now here's Paul, your questioner, with historian Sonia Nizami. Welcome to the program. Hi, Sonia. Hi, Paul. How are you? I'm kind of tired. How are you? Tired. Yes. It, it takes a lot of work to be a historian, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Um... It certainly does. There's a lot of research time and everything put into, um, yeah, well, making sure you're accurate on your sources and whatnot. I would just go to, uh, like, Wikipedia and look at it. You do? Is that how you research? You look at Wikipedia? Yes, that is what all historians are trained to do. <laughs> go to Wikipedia, where every okay. Joe Schmo can edit an Wait article. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing the whole show. You're doing the whole show wrong. Okay. <laughs> when I say the absurd thing, you're not supposed to agree with it. <laughs> well, it was called sarcasm. That's good. That's good for improv. <laughs> yes, I am for improv. But you're supposed to be the historian here. No, and you got to put I, me in I my place. To, I go to a lot of different sources. Um, specifically for this question, I had some books, um, and and I'm looking forward to Paul reading the question. I can't wait. But. Um, this is we start with some. I started with some anthropology reading, and um, then get on to like more specified bits. Well, this is exciting. I don't know if you can see your camera there. Do you see Gilly standing sitting there? Oh, yeah. It's perfect. Because here's the question today, folks: Why do humans live with dogs and cats? Why were they domesticated instead of other animals? This question came up because. When I walk in the neighborhood, I see foxes, I see raccoons, I see... I saw a story the other day that someone had a bear live with them, <laughs> you know, and... Uh, well, I have a bear living with me, but that's my cat bear. Oh, okay. Is, yeah. that, is that your cat's name? <laughs> yeah. Okay. There, there's, there's all kinds of animals, mm-hmm. but most people have dogs or cats. I know there's a, people who have iguanas and, and ducks and stuff, but... Basically, dogs and cats are our companions, and I just wondered what was the history of that, you know? So that's why I wanted to find out and find out from a historian. Well, I think, it, you know, actually this is something that it is multi-specialty. You know, I come from it from the historical perspective, but there's also the anthropological mm. side of it, as well as, you know, the biological sciences, the... That... That was loud. Um, we good? Okay. Um, so, you know, historically, since about the Neolithic period, dogs have been living with human beings, and so there. So when was that? When was that? When was the Neolithic? You don't have it written down. Why do you have to do this to me? <laughs> Okay, uh, let's see. Dogs were first domesticated before the rise of agriculture about 13,000 B.C. Okay, 13,000 B.C. Yeah, okay. um, and so there were wild species of wolves that started living and working like in this um, kind of symbiotic relationship with early hunter-gatherers. And there is a theory that um, some of that start kind of started when um they were eating a lot of when humans were eating a lot of lean meat okay um 
And dogs can have a diet that is just lean meat, but humans need more than that. So when they would kill some of these animals, some of which are now extinct, um, there would be an overabundance, which is it kind of uh, crazy to think about when you're talking about early hunter-gatherers mm-hmm. of this lean meat. And they'd be able to share that with the dogs because they had to supplement their diet in other ways what's a, as well. What's a lean meat? Well, I mean, some of these, you know, like older extinct animals would have had less fatty. Oh, okay. Yeah. and gotcha. And dogs can subsist on that. So, so... What happened at that time was they, the men were hunting the same thing that these mm-hmm. dogs, don't really use that term they were yet, wolves, wolves at, that point, at the yeah. same time, and then they would leave it behind that or they didn't share. use They're- or share it, and so the dogs figured out. And they started kind of staying around, you know, early campsites or villages. Or kind of a whatever. cooperation, really. Well, right, exactly. Um, so they they learned that. Hey, you know, there's gonna be food here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was pretty interesting. But also, you know, throughout um, the the history of like agriculture and whatnot, and and it, when we started domesticating other species such as cattle and sheep and goats, dogs were great herders in that way. And obviously, there was an evolution to the species and you can see that the wild species differs greatly from um the domesticated Mm -hmm. species and you see that with every species that becomes domesticated there is a physiological biological difference from their wild ancestor now it's my understanding that if a wolf Mm -hmm. will not look at your hand but a dog will look at your hand. That's one of the the things that they learn throughout this. Uh, okay. You know, as they learn through over time, because a man's hand will give him food. Interesting. And, and, I, the, and then the other thing I learned is that dogs are one of the only animals, actually the only animal, but I think maybe cats do it in some cases, that will actually look you in the eye. No. Um, Is that not true? I, I don't think so. I think that you need to um, be kind of cautious with wild species about... Because when you engage in that eye contact, we as humans are trained to do that. But in the animal world, that can be a sign of... Yes. A, you know, Could be aggression. aggression. Yeah. yeah. But I guess I guess what, I've, what the point of it that I read was... It's a good both dogs and and, mm-hmm. and humans it's look trust. in the eye in the trust point of view as opposed to an aggression point right. of view. Right. Well, and also closing your eyes. Um, you know, I've I've had animals all my life, and you know, you communicate with them and in various ways. And for you, to, like, have your eyes closed for them to have their eyes closed. Um, uh-huh. After having maintained eye contact is a sign of trust. You're not. Somebody yes. who's going to hurt me. Okay, so that's dogs. Mm-hmm. What about cats? Cats also have a really, really interesting history. Um, so, throughout history, cats have been great about m- maintaining rodent control, especially like in 
and um, barns and everything, um, grain stores. That's a great place for mice. Just ask my stepmother when we bought the farm. When um, when we bought the farm. <laughs> um, oh no! <laughs> we were going through uh, the the barn, and there were still some bags of grain. And she opened one up, and mice jumped out at her. Um, so cats have historically been great about maintaining that low rodent population and there have been periods of time when cats were exalted and part uh, periods of time when they literally were associated with the devil um so you know in in ancient egypt there were uh animals cats who were mummified and buried with their owners because you know there was such that such love and a bond there and there was actually the cult of bast and where cats were worshipped wow um the first paintings or hieroglyphics you know of cats were found in ancient egypt but then throughout time especially during various witch crazes and witch trials the way cats will come and sleep on your bed and everything like that that was somebody who is cavorting with demons and so i mean it's really interesting that just wild fluctuation but they've always been there they've always been around yeah so so the the witch and the cat that trope (laughs) Mm-hmm. And the crazy cat woman <laughs> that you're you're too young to be at yet, but you're 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 on your way. Thank you. Um, but so that since they had that mystical, mm-hmm. that's well, why that's why there's always a cat with a witch, huh? Well, I, I think a lot of it actually comes from just the mysterious, inherent mysterious nature of cats. You know, the way that they're nocturnal, the way their eyes glow in the dark. You know, their huh. grace and, and how lithe they are. Um, I, I think that, you know, that has spawned both that adoration and hatred. Mm-hmm. That that huge dichotomy right there. Okay. So, back to dogs. Mm-hmm. So, they, they helped hunt. They had some commonalities of what they ate. Sure. When did they become... Uh, a pet, a prize for rich people and that type of thing. A prize? And I, I guess I know that because I have a pug. Her mm-hmm. name's Gilly. Okay? She's the vo- she's the face of KCTK Radio. Sure. And the podcast that you're listening to was recorded at KCTK. Really? Anyway. Okay. Pugs are famous for um, being with uh, Chinese emperors and then later with the French uh, royalty. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so... And, well, and cats were the same way with royalty, too. So yeah. where did that become a thing? Specifically with dogs? Dogs or, dogs or cats were, it's well, like, both. they're going to live mean, in our house. Not only are going to help us it, help us uh, hunt, but they're going to live with us. It looks like, you know, they were first, you know, domesticated in the Middle East. And, I mean, it kind of happened all, very similar time frame, I think, mm-hmm. you know, um, as... When they started like showing up around the campsites, they started like 
becoming a part of our lives and our families. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I, I, I'm kind of looking to see if I took a note specifically on that. Um, and I'm not seeing like a specific so, time so frame that on time, that note. They, they were just around so much they became part of the family. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, and with cats, as I said, you know, I mean that like since ancient Egypt, mm-hmm. um, that was they were a part of our lives and revered. But yes, I mean throughout history in. Um, Japan, they keeping cats. It became like a really, really kind of a fancy thing to do. It was very mm-hmm. upper class, and they would keep them on like silk leashes. Ooh. And instead of having the cat hunt, they would like have a photo. Well, not a photo, but a painting of a cat to scare off rodents. Did uh-huh. that work? Probably not. Yeah. Um, but now, but then there was a law passed that it is essentially violating the cat's nature wow to be kept they need to be able to hunt and you're not you shouldn't interesting violate their their nature that way um there is a story of the prophet muhammad who um cut off a the sleeve of a robe that he was wearing because one of his favorite cats had fallen asleep on it and he didn't want to disturb Uh. the cat um winston churchill had him in wartime meetings at his cats and mm-hmm. um, Teddy Roosevelt was in the cabinet room and had or had his cat in the cabinet room and yeah I mean it's just been it's always been a big thing and we can see throughout the United States history where our presidents have <laughs> had a kind of wild or interesting pets mm-hmm. in the White House so there we go that's where they became cool to have but the pets and hopefully you have some information on this they actually really changed within the last hundred years as well yeah so tell me about that yeah um so sorry i wrote this down because i really thought it was interesting um okay so it was actually in 19th century in europe that uh, cat breeding became a thing. And I believe it was the late 1800s when they started, like, pet shows and things okay. like that, where you had all the fancy breeds. Uh-huh. And even, you know, I just remember uh, people would never... They had dog houses. Uh-huh. When I was a kid. I there, didn't look at the history of dog nobody houses. Had, but that, nobody has dog houses. Anymore. They all live. I mean, my dog lives in my bed. Mm, yeah, I don't and have dogs, but yeah. they take over. They've taken over my house, <clears throat> and also in the past, you would just uh, either buy a breed dog or just a dog, a mutt that someone on the block had. But now, there's a rigorous way to adopt dogs, and yeah. it you know make sure that they're treated a little bit more humanely. Well, and and absolutely, that should happen. Mm-hmm. I mean. You never know what's going to happen to an animal when they go home with somebody. Doing, like, home visits, that's a good thing. Making sure that a home that they're going to is clean and that the owners are able to take care of them appropriately. Um, 
But as far as breeding, you know, this is just my personal thing with dogs and cats. There are so many animals out there who need loving homes. Instead of going to a breeder and buying a fancy pet that, you know, costs thousands of dollars, go to your local shelter and give somebody a a wonderful home. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's... God, I've got this... Well, I don't personally. There is a cat in my neighborhood on three separate occasions occasions has had kittens in my shed. Oh, boy. Yeah, kind of getting a little tired of that. Yeah, yeah. Then those poor little kittens... I've luckily been able to find homes. Oh, good. Uh, every time. Uh, one of them I kept, uh, but another one I found uh day before yesterday. Mm. And now, do you know, because I'll be glad to tell the stories of Missouri's connection with dogs. I think you should from your perspective. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's a there was a dog out of Marshall, Missouri named Wonder Mike. Okay. And he was famous because he was really smart. He could predict things like the time and the weather and stuff like that. And he was a famous dog. But there's a more famous dog. And his name's Old Drum out of Warrensburg, Johnson County, Missouri. Do you know about Old Drum? I don't know about Old Drum. Old Drum was a dog and he happened to get into his, uh, the neighbor's chicken coop. (laughs) And he got a chicken. Well, the neighbor shot Old Drum. And so the person who old who owned Old Drum sued him. And they went to trial. And gosh, I, I, you know, I'm going to look up and see who the person was because it was a famous Missouri politician who was the lawyer. If we're going to get technical here. If I can find this, the story of Old Drum. But have you heard that during the trial, he said, you can't just shoot a dog. And they said, well, why not? And the very good attorney said, because dogs are man's best friend. And that's where that, that that's where that uh, saying came from. I didn't know that. I didn't know that that came mm-hmm. from Missouri. That was the trial of Old Drum. And it was in... Uh, and 1869, and that's where that came from. It was right there in Johnson uh, County. James Burden was the owner of Old Drum. He probably should have kept got him. a collar or kept him together. I worry. I worry about Max running around, but that's just how it is. Um, but uh, let's see who said that, because it was a who was it? It was a speech by George Graham Vest. And George Graham Vest went on later. I think he was a United States senator or a um, or a. Uh, see what he was. He was a great order U.S. senator from Missouri. He became a U.S. senator from Missouri. Oh, of course. Oh, this ruins it all, doesn't it? He oh, was no. a Confederate congressman as well. No, you jerk. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's a long tradition of uh, Confederate sympathizers. Um, who are U.S. attorneys that still well, go on to Missouri. this day? Yeah, well, right, yeah. yeah, there's that too. So uh, that's the story of Old Drum, and they have a statue of Old Drum in Warrensburg, Missouri. Huh. Next time I'm going through Warrensburg, I might just have to stop and see Old Drum. Yes, and the other the other thing 
the other Missouri connection is that Missouri at one point was some of the worst puppy mills in the state. Yes. And mm-hmm. it was a very uh, contentious legislation to try to curb them in. A lot of people said dogs were different and they needed to curb them in. But a lot of agricultural people in this state and other places want to treat dogs like they're um, a cow or or anything else. And I'm not saying that you should well, you should uh, be able to mistreat those animals. I'm just saying dogs are different. I'm, I'm just going to say this. I work briefly, as you know, for the Department of Agriculture. And oh, you met was, with those nut jobs then, too. <laughs> what? Um, it was heartbreaking seeing some of the pictures of those puppy mills. I mean, the, the horrible treatment mm-hmm. of those poor little babies. You know, it just, it makes yeah. me sad. You know, it's like, well, inbreeding, vaccinations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Starvation. I mean, just absolute disgusting. Yeah. Orders. No, it was awful. Um, I mean, and I will say this. I never went in person, mm-hmm. but I saw way too many pictures, and that was enough. So, there's dogs for you. Everyone loves dogs. They love cats. They've We've domesticated them. They're our best friends. Uh, my dogs basically run the, run <laughs> the house. Um, my cats run mine. You know, I uh, had uh, breakfast with my uncle this morning. He shared oh. that his dog died. Aww. And it's just heartbreaking when your best friend you lose your best friend and i think that's another thing historically has changed that we know how important these are to people's uh, health their their mental uh, health uh and their life the quality of their life absolutely and you know i mean it really is when you lose a dog a cat it really is like a death in the family and people are like oh you know it's just an animal no it's it's really not just an animal. They, they're our little furry people. That's right. And we love them just like we would love our family members that are, you know, human. That's but, right. Yeah, and, and I can tell with Grandma since we got bigger. You know, her quality of life has greatly improved. She's happier. So. All right. Yeah. So everyone, go get yourself a dog, adopt a dog or a cat, and mm-hmm. be happy. Be now happy. you don't have dogs. I don't have cats. Next well, time, I used to have dogs. Next time, can we talk about the big uh, divide between cat people and dog people? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can we still be friends? Um, I don't know. Okay. We'll Fair see. enough. Okay. I understand. Yeah. I mean, this might be it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to I Have a History Question with historian Sonia Nizami. You can submit your questions by emailing kctkradio at gmail.com or call or text at 913-735-0060. I have a history question has been a KCTK production produced by Paul Lavoda, all rights reserved. For more information and content, email us at kctkradio at gmail.com.